again, friends. Welcome to My Back 40 and the My Back 40 podcast. I'm your host, Steve O'Shaughnessy. Well, I hope you had a fantastic week. I know things are a bit crazy right now with the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, but judging by social, looking at social media, it looks like everyone's getting out and getting some exercise and being socially responsible about it. So that's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, it was great. I got out on the single speed last night. Uh, my shifter broke on my muckluck. Took it apart and looks like uh, spring broke right at the 90 bend that goes into the housing there. So I'm going to have to work at finding a replacement part for that. Uh, and I know Rebound Cycle will help me out. They've been great in helping me out uh, as their ambassador. And uh, I'm really stoked to have a relationship with them. The one thing that was, thing was really awesome about uh, riding last night was it made me feel really grateful about riding a fat bike all winter. I'm a super passionate fat bike advocate. It's like, what better way to enjoy a winter if you don't ski and snowboard, I used to ski and snowboard, but that's become kind of like golf now. It's so expensive, man. I just can't afford to do that, but I can get out on my fat bike and stay fit and, uh, transitioning from the, uh, the five to the four to the, the 2.35 inch tires on my 29 er single speed. It's pretty crazy. It was like riding a road bike. I call them my pizza cutters, but obviously there's skinnier tires than that, but yeah, man, it just, uh, feels good. It feels good to get out there on, on a lighter, faster bike and uh feel the results of having having ridden all winter just it's fantastic um i know a lot of my buddies out there in podcast land also ride fat bikes and can attest to the way they feel in the uh, early spring as they hop on their other bike and start uh increasing their distance it's uh, good to have those base miles throughout the winter to keep you going and i'm not sure what you guys are going to be doing this summer but uh it would appear to me that a lot of the events are going to be canceled Needless to say, 2021 is in our future and we can look forward to possibly attending some of these great events. So we ought to keep training. And if you need a consultation about your training program, I would encourage you to reach out to Cycling 101 and Ryan Draper and uh, get a consultation from him just to see if you're on the right track to attaining your goals. And uh, if you use the promo code 101VIP20, you can save 20% off that consultation. And they're also offering that same uh, promo code to bike fits. So if you think you need a bike fit, you can use that same promo code 101 VIP 20 to save 20%. And uh, they can do these bike fits remotely. You can actually send video of you spinning on your bike and they can make determinations based on what they see there and get your bike set up so that you're mechanically efficient and comfortable for the long haul. So I'd encourage you to do that. I want to thank Rebound Cycle and Cycling 101 for their support. By supporting me, you're supporting the My Back 40 podcast, and I really appreciate it. Another way you can support me is by heading over to Apple Podcasts and give me a five-star rating and a review would be very helpful. You can also reach out to me at myback40podcast at gmail.com and uh, provide some feedback, guest suggestions, or voice intros. I love to hear from you guys. Someone else who uh, I've been kind of talking to a little bit um, is Curtis Litton of Spandex Panda. And uh, he sent me a voice memo. He's got a few words. Listen up. Hey, Steve. Send you a little voice memo. It's Curtis from Spandex Panda Inc. Loving the podcast right now and figured I'd give you a a little shout out. Um, We're out in uh, Kelowna right now. Life is great. Sunny skies. Still trying to get it for a little spin whenever we can. Uh, Enjoy a little bit of the... uh, the fresh air and the warm weather down here. For anybody not knowing what Spanx Panda is, we need a little insight into that really quick. But uh, basically, we bridge the gap for uh, people who love to ride bikes between fashion and function. And if you're a racer, no sweat, you're going to love our uh, 
all of our kit and anything from our collection for uh, more of your social, your prey, your uh, your traveling attire. Look good when you're off uh, the, all that out of that racy stinking kit kind of stuff, yeah. And uh, if you're more into the adventures, the multi days, the randonneuring, the bike packing, then you're gonna want to check this out for sure because uh, with merino and it being made in Italy, you're gonna love this stuff because not only is it gonna keep you warm uh, or even you know cool when it uh, does get kind of toasty because it is very porous, but uh, you're not gonna smell smell at all. You're gonna stink up the place like a lot of that synthetic. So check it out. And nowadays. We've got a, more of a crowd into the e-bike and the uh, more of that recreational riding. Same thing. Don't worry about your spandex kit, but still get all the function of uh, some cycling apparel. So check it out. We've got a brand new site right now. And uh, Steve, loving the podcast, man. Keep it rolling. Looking forward to getting out for a spin. Stay healthy, everyone. Cheers. Thanks, Curtis. Thanks for reaching out. And uh, I'm going to be having a discussion with Curtis. I'm going to be putting that out in a couple weeks. Um, I want to tell everyone who I talk to who are kind of waiting for their podcast to come out. I want to let you know that I I will let you know when it comes out. Um, Some of the conversations I have are fairly evergreen. And uh, those are ones I like to save for for times um, when, you know, they're they're not really there's no chronological context to them. And I can just kind of put them out and and uh, but there are a couple conversations that are coming up, Um, for instance, this one, which was uh, a little bit more time sensitive, I think, uh, based on what's going on again with the pandemic. I'm not going to go on about it this week. But um, I know that Leonard had a few things to say about that, and I wanted to get this out fairly quickly. Now, Leonard is going to be giving some thought to how he's going to navigate this in the, in the summer in regards to his events. Um, my instinct tells me that these events are going to be canceled or rescheduled uh, until either later in the summer or maybe even next year. So I thought it prudent to be um, just get this podcast out right away because he had some interesting things to say. And uh, it's not all bummer talk. It's There's some good good stuff in there where we talk about stories from the trail and we talk about what organizing the, these events actually means to him, gives him a lot of meaning. And uh and uh, he, he loves the bikepacking community. And uh, I think it shows if you've ever met Leonard at one of his events or just riding your bike, you, you can sense his passion for the sport. So like I said, I wanted to get this one out pretty quickly. And um, I really hope you enjoy it. And the one thing I wanted to say is that uh, I realized after we finished the podcast that I had called his one event, the shotgun. And I'm I feel so bad about that. I contacted him right right away, right after. I said, dude, I called it the shotgun. It's the buckshot. What the hell? And uh, he said, oh, don't worry about it. And it, I lost sleep over that, man. Just such a such a rookie move. And uh, so I want to apologize to Leonard and, and to you guys for calling it the shotgun. It's not, I know it's called the buckshot. It's just, uh, I had a brain fart. It happens uh, more often than I'd like to admit. And uh, so I, I, you know, I was going to go through the podcast and try to edit it out. And I could have done that, but. Uh, I want to get this thing out quick. And uh, so when you hear that, just shake your head. Oh, Steve, you're such a rookie. <laughs> but uh, so I apologize again for calling it the shotgun. It's the buckshot. And we talk about the buckshot and we talk about the BC Epic 1000 as well. So I'm going to stop talking. And without further delay, I bring you Leonard Pretorius. Hey, Steve. Hey, Leonard. How you doing? Fine, thanks yourself. Really, very well. Is that your tent in the background that you're sleeping in now? Yeah. No, no. <laughs> the kids trampoline in the basement. It's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Keeps them busy during winter times and yeah. comes in pretty handy just about now as well. 
Oh man, we don't have the space for that. We have that same one. Is that like the six foot one? The six foot across? I think it's about thing? six foot, yeah. Yeah, that's it. And yeah. uh, my kids, man, they trashed it. <laughs> they just trashed <laughs> it's it. Got a, it's got a few broken parts in it as well. It's a couple of years old now. Yeah. But yeah, the basement was unfinished when we got it. So we just put it down oh. here because we got it in wintertime because they were driving us nuts. That's perfect. And uh and yeah, they were smaller then, but they still hop around on it now. Well, we, we thought we'd move it out to the summer yeah. rather than have it in basement here. But uh, yeah, with them cooped up in the house now, it's pretty handy. It's a good way to get the wiggles out. Yeah, yeah, sure is. Yeah, you got your, Have you been? Uh, pretty well. Yeah, not too bad. Surviving. Yeah. How about uh, yeah. how about you? How, how are things in Kamloops? You're in Kamloops still, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah things are a pretty good year still. Yeah. Uh, with the whole virus thing and whatnot so a few a uh, few cases and uh but nobody nobody died yet yet and That's it hadn't great. really taken off all that much but uh, i think it's sort of the calm before the storm now you're a um, mental health it's, practitioner it's gonna, right it's gonna get worse before it gets better yeah family family general practitioner yeah oh okay sorry i didn't mean to interrupt there yeah um are you interested in talking a bit about it uh, if you want to yeah oh yeah we don't have to i mean it's it's just so prevalent on the on everyone's horizon right now it's yeah it's good yeah. to know it and you know you're working kind of in the front lines there so thanks for thanks for doing that yeah no yeah. it's uh comes with the territory but yeah like i said so far so good yeah um but yeah unfortunately it's probably gonna get gonna get worse before it gets better yeah well, difficult, stay- to sort of, difficult to gauge how how much of an effect it's going to have and how much of a impact it's going to have on people and healthcare in general because it's it's so varied around the world eh? on the one one end you've got singapore or not singapore uh, south korea and for some reason they've done a pretty good job of containing it eh? yeah. and they, they their death rate is something like 0.6 percent and and they've got a pretty good handle on it and it doesn't seem to be all that bad there and then on the other end of the spectrum you've got italy yeah where uh where it's pretty much worst case scenario eh? so they, they've got a death rate touching nine percent at at present and there's what six seven hundred people are dying a day that's crazy in, uh, in italy there so you you sort of don't know which, which way it's going to go and what's going to happen so we've with the whole system is sort of preparing for that worst case scenario i think italy scared everybody yeah into uh into taking taking drastic measures to to limit you no know, nobody wants to end up being it, the next italy so, no. um, so I think I, if it wasn't for them, I think based on just what was happening in, in China before and, and South Korea and Iran, the, the sort of first countries that got it prior to, prior to Italy, I think based on if it was just those countries, we probably wouldn't have seen as much of a reaction. And this is just my personal opinion. Yeah. But, um, but with, when, when stuff started going seriously wrong in Italy there and Spain's not doing particularly well either right now, so those European countries seem to be taking a big hit, and I think that scared everybody else. Um, but yeah, better be better be safe than sorry, and prepare for the worst case scenario. But hopefully, it doesn't. We're sort of at the bottom of the slope now. If you look at the the timeline and what's been happening in in countries that were before us or ahead of us in all of this, uh, we're just sort of starting to to hit the hit the upwards curve now. So yeah, it, it's gonna get worse before it gets better but hopefully hopefully not too bad um i think we've been doing pretty well in canada if you look at the statistics and uh and uh the thing but it's it's easy to do better when when it's when the system's not overwhelmed which uh, hopefully it won't get so but that's 
that's the goal to keep that from happening. Right. I mean, personally, I, I feel like I've, I feel a lot of anxiety, you know, it comes from time to time. I, mean, I think, um, when, yeah. you, when you're, uh, kind of, I don't know, I don't know if I'm a high risk, you see lots of different information about it. Right. But being like close to 50 and it's kind of entering that bracket of higher risk. But, um, I think what's been giving me the most anxiety is just seeing, uh, just lackadaisical kind of practices and people not really taking it very seriously. And it's, it's hard, it's hard to see that and not, um, like just jump all over these people, you know, and and something else that that's been, sorry, go ahead. No, that's just what you're saying. It's just been seeing a lot of that, just the local trails over the weekend year. It was, uh, some posts, some pictures being posted of a, basically a tailgate party with yeah. like 20 or 30 people at the trailhead yeah. with camps, camping chairs and everything. So after they ride, they're having this big tailgate party in the parking lot there. And it just, it just looks so bad. I mean, it's not, not supposed to be done. And if they, if, and what's going to happen is they're just going to end up shutting everything down. And I think mm-hmm. that's, what's going to happen. They're going to, uh, cause you can theoretically, if you're out there riding your bike on your own, uh, not being close to anything or anybody, you're not endangering anybody, and you're not endangering yourself either. You can you can actually argue that you're doing doing yourself good. Obviously, you're getting out, you're getting uh, exercise, and there's good studies showing that even high intensity uh, strenuous exercise does not compromise the immune system. Mm. There's people who think that that might be the case. So, with the whole should I be training in this in this situation? Is this is strenuous or uh, training gonna compromise my immune system or my body's ability to fight this and studies have shown that it doesn't uh, if anything it improves it so um, so from a health perspective you're actually doing good as long as you're out there on your own so um, so it shouldn't be an issue but what happens is you get these people being stupid uh, out there and then that just reflects badly and it and it's the the natural reaction of the of the authorities is to then take away the opportunity for that to happen and start enforcing which means it that too, those right? Exactly. And the, those activities that should be, if done properly, and uh, and the rules are played by, should be safe and good to do for everybody and offers everybody an escape and a, and some sense of normalcy and yeah. and, uh, and sanity is, is taken away because uh, so they're just going to shut down the trail networks and everything because there's some, some uh, idiots who can't, uh, can't think or doesn't take it seriously and, and doesn't play by the rules. Yeah, like like I said, I don't want to get too crazy into it, but if you had to answer someone's question uh, to tell them what's the difference between this and the flu, um, what would you say? Because I had an encounter with someone today. It said, "Oh, I think it's being blown out of proportion," and and um, I get I get anxious. I'm just like, "Oh, how do yeah. I explain this?" Because yeah. I mean, I haven't really been following. I haven't been looking at a lot at the media. What the media has to say. Like, I'm going to our government site, um, CDC. Um, um, the World Health Organization, and then you, you know me. I'm a podcast guy, and I've been listening to like the Peter Atia Drive and Sam Harris, and and they have these experts on. You know, mostly Americans just talking about the situation there. Yeah, and yeah. you know, it's which is not good. It's grim. They're better off than them, at least. Yeah, it's grim. So, what would you say to someone who thinks that this is the same? as the flu yeah it's uh, so so whatever i'm saying as far as this goes i'm just saying as a fellow bikepacker who happens to be dealing with this as well we've been the authorities don't really want us to speak to and i, I don't consider uh, your podcast really media or anything 
like that. Oh, but no, uh, but that. whatever I say, as far as the health stuff goes, and specifically the viruses, is just my own opinion. Of course, they discourage us from uh, from talking to the media with it because uh, there's too many too much conflict uh, conflicting information out there. But uh, but yeah, it, it is a flu virus. It's just a bad one, uh, much worse than the than the typical one. Eh? So um, so it's just more severe and uh, and more deadly eh? so the, the typical flu virus kills on average about 0.1 percent of the people infected with it so it's got a one in a thousand uh, death rate eh? the typical so so when people say yes the t- typical virus kills a few thousand people in canada every year that's correct um the typical flu virus usually kills probably close to about 300,000 is what they estimate uh, annually globally so uh, so yeah the, the the typical flu virus also kills a lot of people but though uh, again more older and frail people similar to this one but this one's just much more potent eh? so where the average um, death rate from the typical flu virus is somewhere in the vicinity of 0.1.2%. This one is currently worldwide statistics killing about 3.4% of everybody uh, infected. So if you look at it that way, it's about 34, uh, 20, 20, 30, 34 times more uh, more deadly than your typical flu virus. So that's just, uh, that's the answer to it. Eh? So it's just, uh, it seems to spread quite rapidly and it's it's just more deadly, especially for, for older people, especially people with uh, with underlying health conditions. Eh? Yeah. The one good thing is it doesn't seem to affect kids much. So that's the, that's the one one good message of for us who have small kids um, to date, I uh, don't think that not that I know of, there hadn't been any case reported of somebody under the age of 10 having died from this virus. Not, not anywhere, not once in the whole world uh, to date. So that's the good thing. At least we don't have to worry too much about our, our small kids. If, if they get it, they probably would have more milder symptoms, but the big issue, and that's people would ask why do they close the schools and stuff then, obviously, because the kids transmit it between parents. Eh? So mm-hmm. they take it to their grandparents and they spread it among the society at large. And uh, and that's that's how it gets to the people who shouldn't have it. Yeah. Well, yeah, just safe to say, just wash your hands, stay away from each other, um, and just stay home would be probably yeah, the best exactly. advice. Just stay, exactly. stay in your neighborhood, yeah. stay in your community write it out okay let's not let's not dwell on that any longer <laughs> yeah. i just i wanted to get i wanted to get you <laughs> it, does, it does make for interesting times though and it, it does make it for does. interesting dynamics within society for, yeah and it's more of a social experiment things. hey like then, exactly and yeah. the way and it's going to have a profound economic impact impact mm. on on almost all of us uh, for years to come i think so yeah. the economic impact of this on on many big parts of the world and our our little country in, in particular is uh, is going to be harsh eh? and that's going to be the case for many so so that we're going to feel but it's going to be interesting i think this is going to have there's going to be some social shifts happening and some uh, uh there's going to be leftover from this so even the way in which we we interact the way in which we we see the world and interact with each other i think is gonna is going to be different um following this um, I think that we were already sort of moving to a more digital world with most kind, most kinds of businesses and those kind of things happening more digitally. And I think this has accelerated digitization and automation of everything is 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 going to be greatly accelerated by this for that need to to want to be able to work from home and be able to have. And even from a business perspective, automating things so that the business and the production and the supply chains and everything can keep functioning 
irrespective of, of not being as dependent upon, upon people who can get sick and who have to stay home in pandemics and these kind of things, I think that's all going to accelerate all of this. And even, even just the interactions, if you go to the, I was in the store just about an hour ago or so, and just the, just the way people treat each other is, is, is different, eh? Mm-hmm. Just in the sense that now it's as if everybody sees everybody else as a, as a threat in a sense, and um, not, not in a bad way, but everybody else might have the virus and might give it to you, eh? So there's that, uh, that you can feel that, that the, the, the underlying tension and just the people's reluctance to sort of, not just on a, a physical distancing, but there's a, that, that human connection is sort of diminished as well, eh? And, um, and hopefully not too much of that remains, but it's going to be interesting to see on the other side of this how this is going to change society as a whole. Yeah, I mean, even today I was listening to um, the Sam Harris podcast. He was talking to um, Matt, I think it's Wollenweg. I think he's the, the top guy at uh, WordPress, and it was basically all about uh, the whole idea of more, work, more people working from home. And he, and he, yep. this might even be a catalyst for that to kind of drive yep, bigger definitely. companies to distribute their workload or their, their, um, their employees out in the world. And, um, it totally makes sense. Like if I could sit at home and do my job, unfortunately I have to, I'm a hands-on, I have a hands-on job, so I can't really do that unfortunately, but unless I turn this into a full-time gig, which <laughs> is, <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm in the same boat there, unfortunately. Yeah, so, you're, well, um, you're front line. Least. Yeah. So, but I so it, jobs that that's going to be tough to do from home, but yeah. um, but yeah, it's it, it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out. Yeah. Well, again, thank you for for taking those. Thank you for going to work because yeah, it's it's uh, <laughs> you're right on the front lines. Yeah, and no, I'm, I'm sure keep I'm doing so as long that. as we're able to. Yeah. Right on. Um. So yeah. So with that, I mean, obviously, we kind of can tangent off of that from um into the BC Epic world and the the shotgun. Um, so why don't you, um, for people who don't know what the BC Epic is, which I'm sure that's not very many people, why don't you do a quick synopsis of kind of, uh, how many years you've been running it, uh, kind of what catalyzed that for you. And, um, then we'll get into, to the future of that, or the, at least in the immediate future. Yeah. The BC Epic is a, yeah, like, yeah, like you said, I think many people I hope many people sort of have an idea of what it is, but uh, yeah, it's a little bikepack race that I, I did uh, back in 2016 was the first year. So 2015, I went to the States. I did the Oregon Outback. That was my first uh, significant uh, bikepacking race um, and then came back and realized that there's not a whole me and Jonathan Hayward who organized the, the Alberta Rockies 700 actually. He, uh, we did that together, drove down there, did the Alberta Rock or the um, Oregon Outback. And then came back and uh, realized there's none, nothing of that in, in Canada. There wasn't at that stage, apart from the Tour Divide that starts in in Banff and then heads down into the States. There wasn't too much else going on in terms of, of bikepacking events or races up here. So Jonathan actually started the Alberta Rockies first. Uh, and then um, he got quite a bit of interest in that. And then I, I sort of as try wanting to do a bikepacking rides and uh, sort of ultimately winding up towards the tour divide. Most of us have that on our minds. Mm-hmm. If you're bikepacking in North America, there's always, always the tour divide somewhere back there. And we all sort of think, Oh, maybe we'll do that someday. So, um, so what I wanted to do is just come up with a route. Uh, that's about a thousand Ks. I, I something that I could ride in a week cause I can't take too much time off work to do that. 
and then uh, just get a feel for if I'm out there for for a few longer because the Oregon Outback took me two and a half days to ride. So I thought I'd do something that's going to take me a little bit longer, four, five, six days, and just see how I feel after that. If I ride a thousand Ks, do I feel like I'd be willing to or able to ride uh, and that three more times uh, yeah. to sort of get an idea of the of the Tour de Vardy, something that I uh, should put on my agenda and should start working towards. So initially, it was just going to be a, a ride on my own. And uh, that's why it sort of starts just close to me here in Merit, from uh, close to Canvas from where I live. And uh, just plotted it along, includes much of the Trans-Canada Trail. And sort of went to Fernie. Fortunately, or that year, 2016, my wife, she does uh, mountain bike races. So she does 24s and six hours and those type of things. And they had a, a three-day stage race in Fernie that year. Um, so we were, she, went, she had to be in Fernie anyway for that stage race that she was going to be doing. And I wanted to do a 1,000K ride. And we live in Kamloops. So what better plan than to, for me to just ride from Kamloops to Fernie and meet her there. And then I get my 1,000K ride that I want to do. And we're in Fernie where we should be anyway. Uh, so I'll meet, uh, the plan was to meet her up there. So I plotted this 1,000K ride to Fernie. And then when, um, when Jonathan sort of started getting a lot of interest in his race, I, I sort of just threw it out on Facebook as well and said that if I'm going to be doing this ride, if there's anybody else that's interested to to join me then so be it so that uh, sort of be 2016 became the first year of the the bc epic um, it's a thousand and seventy kilometers i think now thousand and sixty two because i removed a bit of single track round about kimberley there and tweaked it a bit but uh, 1100 meters of climbing and um yeah i think the first year there was 15 of us that started seven finished uh, the second year there was 25 i think and about 15, 16 finished. And by the third year, it picked up quite a bit. I think we were into the 40s, uh, up 50s. So, uh, yeah, this would, if 2020 happens, it'll be the fifth year. So last year was the fourth year. And uh, we're fortunate enough to have to have some big guns have come up in the past two years. The likes of Evan Deutsch and those guys uh, came up from the States to show us how it's done yeah. uh, on the route. So, um, so yeah, it's sort of, of grown to, to, to be a quite uh, uh, a nice route. And I think it's a, it's a good route in the sense that it's not technically too difficult. Uh, there's lots of resupply points along the way, but it's long enough to be a, a good challenge, but yet short enough that you can do it without taking a month off work or something like that. Right? That's always the biggest challenge with a tour divide. I think it's just a, logistics of it and the duration of it there's not a whole lot of us that can just uh mm. leave our family and work behind for a month to go ride our bikes eh? it would be nice but um, you're kind of a, but, a big hitter uh, too give yourself some credit <laughs> <laughs> i always joke that i wouldn't be able to win anything else so i had to create my own race in order to, to get ahead on anything <laughs> so uh so yeah that's sort of the history of the bc epic so it runs from uh west sort of through central uh, BC from Merritt, which is sort of in the middle, to Fernie, so eastwards, and there's people that's been riding it the other way as well, to Fernie, which is close to the Alberta border, just uh, south of, of you there, as you know, and yeah, that uh, that's about it. Well, it's a fantastic route. Is this- oh, sorry, go ahead. Go yeah. Ahead. Yeah, Buckshot. No, and then the, the other one was just a Buckshot, yeah, and that's sort of more a grassroots, just locally, there's... Uh, with me organizing the bike pack races and whatnot, there's quite a few local guys that's taken an interest in bike packing, and and that's something that I just sort of threw together as as a more shorter uh, local event that one can do over a over a long weekend, 
and it's usually about four five hundred kilometers and it's more just to uh to offer people who hadn't done it before and, and more sort of catering to the local crowd to uh, create the little event that we can just do from year and uh, and last year and so that last year was the first time uh, this year would have been the second time if it goes down and um, and that i'm going to switch up i'm going to sort of make it switch the route up every time so this year's route is different from last year's and next year i'll switch it up again uh, so that's not going to be the same route every time. It's always going to be sort of four or five hundred kilometers, always start and finishing Kamloops, making it the loop, which is easy. Mm-hmm. And the distance being short enough that one can do it over a long weekend. So we'll always uh, we tried doing it the first year that it was going to happen. We tr- we're going to do it over Labor Day weekend. And then the f- fires were out and the smoke was so bad that it ended up not happening on account of that. And then last year we did it over moved it to the beginning of the year and did it over the May long weekend. Um, and it did end up happening, but uh, the weather was a little bit less than ideal. It ended up being quite the, the mud fest, but uh, it was still good fun. So we sort of, so we thought we'd keep it. My idea was to keep it the, um, the May long weekend because uh, that did work apart from the weather not cooperating. It did work pretty good last year. Um, and yeah, that's, we're sort of going to, going to switch up every year, do a little bit, do a switch the route up. Just to, and that's going to keep people that's come coming from elsewhere, and even the locals going to sort of keep them engaging, keep them coming back. The fact that every year the route's a little bit different. So, I've ridden every little, uh, every meter of Forest Service road and trail, and everything within a few hundred kilometer radius of of Kamloops over the years. So I, I'd like to think I know the area pretty well, and there's such a lot of good trails and and backcountry to show off here that it's sort of a shame not to do it. So that was that's the idea with the buckshot. I've ridden a bit of trail in in uh, Kamloops, but I, I I really want to do the I want to really want to do the shotgun. I think that'd be really fun. And uh, what I was gonna say before is, yeah, the the Epic is such a beautiful route. Like it's it's just so accessible. Like you said, you know, resupply is good. It's it's not too daunting. You know, the climbs are manageable. You know, there's a big climb there at the end, but uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I I always whenever yeah. I get the chance to talk about it, I love talking about my experience on the on the epic yeah, awesome. i think i think it's sort of it's it sort of just worked out to be a good route by chance i uh i didn't i didn't know much about backpacking when i when i plotted it and um i think it just not not through any any a great achievement of mine it's a uh, lots of it includes the canada the trans canada trail as well and the old rail grades and everything but i think uh, the way it ended up being it's just uh like you said, a good mix. It's got a few challenging sections in it. The Grey Creek Pass is 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 special. Uh, the trail, a little bit of single track between Trail and Castlegar is is a little special section as well. So it's got its few challenging sections to uh, to 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 add a bit of of grit to it. But on the other hand, is it's not too technically difficult either. And it's got some great scenery, eh, with the tunnels mm-hmm. and the trestles and and everything. And you move through a few different ecosystems. Oh yeah, uh, sort of going yeah. through it. So you see a great, great variety in terrain and 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 trail surface. There's a little bit of pavement, not not hope, fortunately not too much. There's some single track. There's lots of rail grade, so just lots of variation. And I think that sort of keeps you engaged. And ton, uh, tons of water on. too. Like I, I yeah, didn't, exactly. I didn't have to buy that any water. There was so much water on that route. Yeah, it was lovely. Yeah, it was awesome. So so what does that mean this year? Like with can, yeah, can it still be run be within the rules of 
of um, the health organizations? Or? I, I suppose it could, and we'll see how it all pans out over the next few few weeks or months. But uh, I, I think, unfortunately, there's a there's a pretty real chance it, it won't happen. I'm pretty sure the buckshot probably won't happen because that's that's not too long from now. Mm. That's my long weekend. So I doubt very much the whole virus thing is going to be blown over by then. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, me and a, and a buddy or two might go out and go ride some of it that weekend. But I think as an as an event, it it probably uh, I I I would be very surprised if things had improved to the point that we'd be able to do it. Then we might we might think of doing it September long weekend. Mm-hmm. It's such again because it's so grassroots and it's, and it's local and there's not a lot of organization involved in that. We can. We can probably move that around and maybe do it later in the year at some point. So I'll, I'll give that some thought. But um, but I think the likelihood of, of the buckshot happening of the May long weekend, with everything being the way it is, is 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 quite low. And then even looking at the epic as well, it was it was shaping up to be quite a quite a big and nice race. We had tons of of signups to date. We were ahead uh, in terms of signups to any other year so far. And we had some, we had some people coming from the UK. We had some people from France. We had uh, Kerry state uh, coming mm. uh, from, um, from Australia. And there's two other people from Australia as well. Uh, Kerry was nice enough to offer a bit of sponsorship mm-hmm. uh, with some K lights. That's going to be a uh, draw prizes at the race as well. So it uh, it was the hype was building and it and it seemed uh, like it might well be quite a good year for uh, for the epic, but uh, with the situation being what it is now, even with with travel bans and everything, I mean all those people from from international destinations uh, won't be able and and I mean there's a good chance the travel bans might be lifted by then, but even then it's probably going to take a while for international travel to sort of recover from this and to to start up again. And and the logistics involved in that, and people, you you want to plan these kind of things ahead of time and be able to book the tickets ahead of time and whatnot. And people need to make, especially international travel plans, need to be made at at this point. I mean, there's always a, a huge uh, contingent of Americans that come up for the for the epic as well, which is not this year was no exception. There's quite a few sign up from from various places in the states, and even they can't get into this country now, even if they wanted to, right? Yeah. Because um, so so how that's all going to change and pan out, and if even situ- being the situation as it is at this very moment, so we wouldn't have any international riders if it was to happen tomorrow, which is probably about half, at least a third, if not close to half of the field uh, that signed up already, and then the rest of it, um, even even otherwise, we can we usually have the big barbecue the night before with the. With yeah. the mayor of Merritt attending and uh, and and everything, which is a, a nice meet and greet, and just all the riders meeting up, which I think is it gets gets uh, gives a social element to the ride, which I which I really enjoy, and and that that won't be obviously would would not fly at at this moment. Again, things might change by then, but that would would wouldn't be good a social gathering like that. And then the grand depart as well, obviously wouldn't wouldn't uh, be able to happen in its usual format as well, eh? Where all of us gather and and be sent off with a big hoo ha. That's not gonna not not gonna happen either. So one could, if you really want to, I suppose you could sort of if they don't. And they're, now they're talking about closing national parks as well. National parks, the services are shut down, but um, and the rail grades are provincial parks. Many of them, right? It's one long, mm. thin provincial park, but the provincial parks nonetheless. So if the province ends up shutting down the provincial parks, 
or not allowing people to use those, then then that'll obviously be a big problem as well. Uh, as of yet, that hadn't happened. So now we are allowed to use provincial parks, but you've got to think about the big picture as well. Eh? And what's the, the socially responsible thing to do? And yes. what are we trying to achieve here? It's not just about the rules. It's about what the rules are meant to do, right? mm. and it's to prevent this this thing from spreading. So if you think about it that way, if you have a, a bunch of people, even if you space you out and you say, okay, let's start two meters apart and let's just not come close to each other, we'll still fire up track leaders because as soon as you're 15 minutes into the race, we're not riding together anymore anyway. Mm. Right? So because we And that's the argument that people say. We spread out really quickly, so... We can just go out and ride our bikes like we usually do because we don't ride in groups anyway. It's not, the nature of bikepacking is such that when you're in the race and you're out there, you're not necessarily riding together or you're not, it's not a social event per se, eh? but you still have riders riding from one town to another. Eh? So you have people mm-hmm. riding through different communities. And um, and potentially could be carrying or spreading whatever you don't want moving around, right? spreading the virus and whatnot. Again, um, the virus itself, studies seem to suggest, and at, at this point it looks as if it's very unlikely that you can transmit the virus if you're not actually sick. So even if you've got infected but you're not sick yet, oh, you're not contagious, right? Um, you have to start coughing and sneezing all over the place and you have to get sick before you're, you're able to uh, infect other people. So again, it's unlikely that there's going to be somebody sick on their bike riding the Epic. Um, so, but still, and, and the other thing is services, uh, is it going to be unpredictable? I'm seeing it in my community and I'm sure it's, it's true for many small communities across uh, along the route. There's limited hours for stores and things. And obviously those people want to limit for uh, uh, travelers or people from outside the community coming into their communities, coming into their stores as well, because eh? they don't know where these people come from and they don't know whether these people might be uh, bringing the virus to them that they don't want. Eh? And especially in the smaller communities, I think that the businesses are going to be hurting because of this. Uh, so there's a very good chance they'll be limiting their hours. They might, they might even be some resupply points that are that are shut down for most of the day, or won't be available. Eh? And even if it isn't, you don't really want to have a whole bunch, a whole slew of of uh, dirty, stinking, sweating bikers <laughs> yeah. sort of rummaging through stuff in in your store during these times either. Right. Eh? So I think if you think about it from a from a social responsibility point of view. And in terms of the general idea that we want to get across to people that during these times, it's, it's, it's better to stay at home. It's better to, uh, to, to stay local and not travel. And again, that's the other thing. So now you have people driving or traveling mm. to, to Merritt for the start of the race and traveling from Fernie back home again after the race. So again, you have a bunch of people moving further away from their homes to other communities, moving through the country and through the province um, without having a a really good reason to do so. eh? And whenever there's people moving between communities, you have a potential for for spread of the virus. eh? So hopefully at that point, we'd be over the worst of it. And who knows, maybe these things would not be as big a concern. But um, as things are right now, if the epic was to happen tomorrow, um, it would not. I yeah. would. I would probably cancel it. I mean, so we'll uh, we'll see how it all where we're at. I was thinking sort of 
middle to end of April, we'll probably have a better idea of where we're at and, and where we're going to be come come end of June. And uh, and then, then we'll make a decision. Eh? So if things end up being better than we, than we expect them to, to turn out, then that's great and it, it might still happen. But even, I think even if it does, it's going to be probably diminished because of this at the very least. Eh? I think we're going to see a a lot of the international riders that would have come is probably not going to come anymore as a result of disruption to travel and stuff, even even if by that time all these restrictions and and, uh, and regulations are not in place anymore. So I think it's, if it does happen, it'll, it'll be diminished compared to what it was, was going to be. Um, so so we'll, I'll, I'll take all those things into consideration. Yeah, there's so many layers to it. Like, uh, there's just yeah. so many layers right down to, I mean, even people not coming because of just economic reasons, you know, like a lot of people out there aren't going to be working, especially from the States. I, yeah. don't, th- I don't think there's, yeah. I think we're really fortunate to, uh, um, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I consider myself pretty polit- politically inept to be honest, but from, from what I see, what our government's doing, it's, um, it definitely eased my anxiety, you know, the, the amount yeah. of help. They're and I'm, I'm, I'm lucky I, I'm going to be. I mean, I have my job right now, but it's nice to know that there's a, there's a crash mat back there. But if you're coming from, from Europe or, or wherever, like to, to invest that much time and energy into logistics and just all that money. Exactly. Yeah, and, where the, and where the people's going to have the means after yeah. all of this is, is there's, I can see that there's many that won't. Eh? So, uh, so yeah, we'll we'll see. And at the end of the day, it just boils down to, especially with with these kind of races where it's one guy out there sort of organizing the thing and putting it on. It boils down to what just what what just feels right. Eh? Yeah. There's certain things that there's a time and a place for everything. Yeah. And there's there's the right thing to do, and then there's the the not so right thing to do. Eh? And so at the end of the day, depending on at the bottom you can argue this way and that way and you can you can argue the merits of of doing it this way and doing it that way and why should we and why should we not but at the end of the day you just have to stand back look at the big picture and say listen it what what do i feel as an organizer is the, is the right thing to do and ultimately that's what i will do it's always uh the 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 the, the sort of cliche uh, phrase right now is is uh, abundant caution. Eh? Everything mm. gets done out of an abundance of caution, but uh, I think at at this point uh, that's that's sort of where we're at. Eh? So you can you can rather be abundantly cautious, be too cautious, then um then 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 go wrong. Right? Yeah, and I think there's a lot of and, I think there's a lot of stigma with being an an events organizer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's gray in terms of, of liability, but I, I think from a, from a community or group standpoint, I think um, we have to be careful that we're not sending the wrong message to people. Cause if, if a bunch of people are just, you know, fuck it, I'm going to go and ride the Epic and I don't care about this virus or yeah. whatever, and yeah. they go and do it, it's yeah. going to reflect badly on all of us. And, exactly. and particularly exactly. you. So that's kind of the social experiment side. And that's and that's exactly, and that's what you're seeing with the trails. Like 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 I said the, the, at the beginning, there, uh, the trails being open now. Most of us use it responsibly. Most of us are are, are aware of all of this and uh, and do our best to to do what's right. But then you have these few people that go out there and throw a tailgate party, mm. and those are the pictures that get taken, and those are the pictures that are shared. So that's the impression that the rest of the town has of mountain bikers, eh? So yeah. now, uh, so and that's exactly on a small, on a bigger scale, that's if you have people going out there um, 
and when you have that group, bigger group of people, there's that possibility eh, that people might might not. Um, you're right, might do things or behave in ways that don't reflect well upon the rest of us. And under circumstances like this, there's just a, a much higher likelihood of, of, of that kind of situation transpiring. Eh? And like you yeah. said, from a liability perspective as well, that's the one thing that's always in the back of my mind as an organizer of, of, of these kind of things. And especially with these events, it's, like you said, it's very gray in terms of that. Fortunately, the thing with, with my call is sort of the only uh, – incident that had happened during these um these kind of events where there's been more of of investigative and legal repercussions and things but um but that's always as organizers and that's why you see matthew lee and those guys distancing themselves yeah. as much from the tour divide and those kind of things as they do right eh? yeah. um because there's always that that concern about liability and because we do this for the love of it, I don't get it. I don't. We don't charge a, 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 a entry fee or anything like that. So I'm not making anything off this. Mm. Um, so I don't have the means to pay for insurance, liability insurance, and those kind of things uh, to host this as a, as a formal mountain bike event like Trans Rockies and those kind of things do, eh? and PC bike race and whatnot. So, so it's always a bit of a yes, and I do have the have the waiver, but we all know that those when challenged often don't stand up. Eh? Mm-hmm. So, um, so don't give anyone any that ideas, sort of, Leonard. <laughs> so if there's a, if there's that, uh, you always have that niggling in the back of your mind yeah. eh? as, as little, if, if something happens to somebody out there, um, how, how might that come back and come back at, at, at me as an organizer? Right. Eh? And that, that often sort of scares me a little bit with organizing these things. And that's always something that you have to keep in mind again as well. And there's always different, different lenses and different people looking at these things in different ways. Has there ever and been an incident to, where, where I've been in the right. Sorry, Leonard. Um, has there ever been an incident where someone's been, um, um, chased for money or been sued or, I don't think so. No. Not that I know of. Not in the not in the bikepacking business. It's kind of not our um, style. <laughs> yeah, think. and hopefully that stays the way. I'm counting on that. But uh, yeah. but yeah, like I said, I I don't think many of the other races don't even have the the waiver that I do. Um, I, I I put that in there, and hopefully that'll that'll offer some, um, and it should in most cases. Yeah, uh, offers some some protection at least, but uh, but I don't think, and that's what I'm sort of counting about, on counting on as well, and that's the way I feel about it as well. I think in the bikepacking community, we all understand what we're doing, and if you read the wording on the on the website, I made it to make it abundantly clear that this is uh, this is at own risk, mm. and I don't accept any liability or provide any services of any kind, and I and I think that's that's true for the most part. But uh, under these circumstances, again, where there, where there's there's different other new and unpredictable factors playing in on things as well, that just adds a bit of adds another layer to all of that. Like you like you mentioned yourself, right? And that's just another thing that sort of you have to consider now. And uh, and that sort of yeah. At the end of the day, you've got to. And again, at the end of the day, the buck stops with the, with the organizer, right? So, uh, so people might not be happy this way or that way with what decisions we end up making. But um, at the end of the day, you have to you have to just do what's right, eh? and 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 uh, do what's going to keep everybody safe. 
uh, including the riders as as well as the communities along the way and we want to preserve the image of the epic we're very fortunate in that we've had great support from 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 all the parties involved from trails bc who maintain the much of the rail grid much of the trails they've always been very supportive uh, of the epic we've had great uh, support from our communities merit in particular as our starting community the we have the mayor at the barbecue and he uh, see us saw us off and starts the race and uh, breathe bikes in merit there who offer support to riders and everything so we've got great backup and support from our communities uh, that we go through and and you want to preserve that eh? so you want to yeah. you want to do right by the riders uh, but you want to do right by the route and by the communities as well yeah and the events that's the at events. the end of the day that's what gives the event that's what it's about it's about about the route and about the, the communities and the experience and you want to you want to preserve that I'm sure a lot of the communities too really have a, uh, you know, I'm sure it benefits them immensely. You know, if you have a couple hundred riders rolling through these little towns, you know, cause some of them are pretty small, like just off the beaten track, kind of little, little yeah. stops on the way. And so, yeah, we want to preserve that most definitely. I, you'd hope that someone would, I don't know, I, I shouldn't say that as a, you know, there should be a bit of honor to this. Right. And we all know what we're getting into. And, and I don't think, uh, I don't think anyone really expects to, um, yeah, well, what do you expect? You're not paying, you're just showing up and riding your bike kind of thing. Yeah. But what yeah. do you think the insurance costs are for those big races? Like the BC bike race or like they must I'm be not too sure. Immense. I'm not too sure. I've 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 thought of looking into it at, at one at some point cuz yeah, they yeah, but uh, I ha I haven't this. At one point there was a uh, there is a regulation from the so if you use any provincial park to host any kind of event, then if you have a gathering of more than 15 people, if you're going to sleep in the, uh, in, the, in the park as part of an event, or if you're hosting any sports championship or event within a provincial park, then, you, then by, by the rules of the provincial park, you have to have liability insurance. So I'm aware of that. But fortunately, the EPIC doesn't meet those requirements. By the time we, we're, we're more than 15 in merit, but by the time we mm. hit the provincial park, in, uh, in 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 quotations, that's when we hit the rail grade, eh? Yeah. And by the time we hit the rail grade, there's no 15 of us together anymore, right? Eh? We're spread out over five k's by that point. So, yeah. uh, so we're never more than 15. Um, we don't have organize. We don't stay again. If you stay for a prolonged period of time, camping for one or two nights doesn't apply. If you stay. If you take up residence in the provincial park, then that's a different thing, which we obviously don't do. No. And then as far as a sporting event or a championships, those are the words they use. Um, I don't see the Epic as being that either. Right? There's no entry fee. There's no prize money. There's no. Um, so, yeah, I mean, some people might treat the ride as a race, and uh, but it's more of a and, and race other people. For most people, it's more of a personal challenge mm. to, to see and other people just tour it. But I don't think in the true sense of the word, it meets the requirement as a, of, or, or the definition of a sporting event um, in the sense that, like I said, there's no official organization of it. There's no entry fee. There's no prize money. There's no nothing like that. So, um, so, so that sort of gets us away from that need for, uh, for liability insurance. So, um, so I haven't needed to go there, but I can't imagine that being cheap. We got to change the subject. I'm getting bummed out that I can't do the epic this year. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of been a kind of a bummer conversation. I mean, it's real, right? It's a real conversation that you know. I, I yeah. I, I, that's why I wanted to have you on because I you know I want people to hear 
from from the person organizing it like what their prospects are and kind of what they're thinking yeah so it's yeah, good it's good to be real about and it I, and i appreciate the chance as well steve oh, it's good to sure. be able to sort of just let people know way eh? these are these are the thoughts that because uh, yeah i'm like i said with with organizing these things it's not as if i have a a crew or a hmm. or a bunch of people that i can i can talk to and and, and run these things past so at the end of the day it's it's me with my own thoughts having to sort of sort this out and 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 to end up doing what I think is right, eh? Yeah. And everybody's opinion on that might not be the same, but it's good to sort of have that, um, have that, uh, just sort of be able to to express where my thoughts are at right now and and how I see things being, and any feedback from the mm-hmm. from the writing community is is more than welcome, eh? Um, there's the we've got the Facebook page still up and going. I've now got a forum on the website as well where people can chat on things and whatnot. And I, I might go ahead and just sort of order, put up a, a, a little a thread on the forum about the whole COVID situation and how that might affect the Epic. And, and people are more than welcome to sort of chime in and yeah, uh, give me their thoughts on that as well. I, I, I would appreciate that. And we'll just sort of figure it out and see whether we, we should still depend. And again, time will tell. Mm. We don't know where this where we're going to be. Uh, a week from now even let alone three weeks or a month or two months from now but um so time i think is going to be the big big factor to tell us where we're heading but um but even then if things do look better then do we want to just say let's not do it this year and and come back with a with a bang next year and do it properly or do we or do we still go ahead with it and and do it in a in a sort of a diminished way eh? because of all of this i guess it depends what the rules dictate yeah. Yeah. For, yeah. For yeah. But yeah, if like stuff. I said, if, if the situation is similar to what it is now in terms of the not just the rules and regulations in place, but in terms of the the general feeling and uh, where we're at in terms of what we're trying to achieve as far as this virus goes, then it's it's probably not gonna happen. There's still the ITT option. Right, if people, if it's not too bad, that's there. you know, you that's could, there. could go out and do a time trial solo. Yeah, Spread the route that. is always there. So, yeah. and that's and that's sort of what I said as well to to people. The route will always be there. Right, the route will be there next year. It'll be there for many years to come. It's not going anywhere. So, um, so it's it it might be wiser to say let's just uh, let's just come back and do it properly when mm-hmm. we're able to do so with a clear conscience and when we're when we're all confident that we're doing the right thing and when we all can really be out there and enjoy the experience to the fullest like we've done in the past yeah. right? um and when we're able to do it together without fear of fear of 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 each other and fear of 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 everything go around us right? yeah. in terms of in terms of spreading the virus and whatnot when we can have the barbecue and we can have the great uh, grand depart because those are those have been the highlights for me in the past right? so the race itself would be would be less without those. Mm-hmm. That's that's for me. That's an integral part. I, I've always find that interesting. I'm not a particularly social guy. In my day to day life, I, I I wouldn't call myself a socialite at all. But uh, the the interestingly enough, as an organizer, the the most appealing thing to me about the epic and the most uh, gratifying thing is actually the social aspect of it. Eh? Meeting guys like you. And uh, okay. like-minded people out there, and uh, just just sort of mingling with guys that you wouldn't otherwise might not have done, and uh, who who share this passion uh, of of riding bikes and and the whole bike packing scene, 
and um, and again sort of at the barbecue at the grand depart at, at the finish that's why i hang around at the finish line and sort of wait for everybody to come in uh, it's just as much just it's important for me to be there and to share that experience because i get just as much out of it as an organizer as uh, as the people finishing get out of it as well eh? and that that social aspect of it is a is a huge huge part of it for me personally anyway and i think um i you spoke to rj the other the other day and as well and just that that brief interactions along the trail as well eh? it's just it's those it's short interactions but it's the intensity of it it's so magnified mm. eh? yeah that's by, a good point. by the shared by the shared passion and the shared experience i know rj expressed it so well when you spoke mm. to him the other day just just those brief interactions mean so much eh? uh, as compared to just your sort of typical daily interactions with other people and um, and that's we take a lot away from that and uh, and i think that with with the situation being what it is now we we, we might lose a lot of that you know i think too that's really relevant now with with everything going on and all this social isolation is i think people are really realizing how important connection is and you know we don't really you know, some, some families can't even be near each other. If you've got someone who's sick that yeah. has to be isolated, then you've got, you've got yeah. this disconnection in, in the family. And, um, yeah. and for some that can be, that could be devastating. So I think it's interesting that one, you bring that up and, and two, I could relate to that because I think I feel the same way. I feel like I'm super recluse. You know, I don't really have much of a social life. When I do go riding, it's ninety-eight percent of the time I'm alone. And then, so yeah. when 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 these um, opportunities uh, come up to like meet in a location and be around a bunch of like-minded people, it's just it's like oh, I'm so pumped, right? So which just makes it more disappointing to me, but which even emphasizes more the fact that we need to you know be doing this and talking to one another and sharing yeah. ideas yeah. and. And um, we may not be able to race together or, or do these journeys together, but we can still, you know, connect and talk about it. So, yeah, I appreciate that. And I think, and I think in the, in the aftermath of all of that, it's like you said, it, it highlights these things. And I think those experiences might even be enhanced mm -hmm. in future because of the shared experience of going through this as well. Hey, every, everybody is the sum total of the experiences. And I think, for all of us living through these times now and experiencing these uh, these things, it's going to be, hopefully, it's going to, like we said it, a little while ago, it's going to change the way society operates and the way people interact. Um, I, I'm pretty sure it, to some degree going forward, but it might also, those, we might have less frequent interactions with each other, but when we meet in these ways, in a shared passion, in a shared experience, I think those experiences are just going to be that much more valuable, and uh, and it's just going to it's already that that gratifying for those of us who do it, and I think that might just even be enhanced another step by the fact that that the rest of our daily lives is going to be even less so mm. than it was before, right? So all the more reason to uh, keep bikepacking um, yeah. and. Uh, and keep at it, eh? and keep doing doing chatting, like you say, and keep engaging with each other. And uh, this too will pass. Yep. And then on the other side, we'll be we'll be better for it. Eh? So we'll all get through it, all get through it together. And then uh, once we're all alive and well on the other side, then we'll uh, 
get back to the business of, of riding bikes and uh, having a great time. That's what it's all about. Yeah, and watch out, Merit, because 2021 is going to be a BC, BC Epic love-in. It's just going to be this. Yeah. There's going to be like 300 of us, <laughs> and we're all going <laughs> to... Yeah, that's going to be... Sounds like a plan. Yeah, it'll be a party for sure. So my my next thing, I, you know, I, I take notes, and I kind of put down summer plans, but it's like... I don't really know how to broach that subject anymore. Do you, do you and your family, are you, uh, so you're still going to work. Uh, sorry, your wife's Mary L, right? Do I have her name right? Uh, Marley. Marley. Marley, sorry. Yeah. So many L's yeah. and E's in there. Marley. Yeah, um, it's, it's difficult. We we pronounce the R. You guys have a difficult difficult time with the R, right? The R, Marley. Oh, Marley. 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 Yeah, in my home language, we have... Yeah, we, we, we have a few letters that's more difficult to pronounce for English-speaking people. Yeah, well, she reached out to me to thank me. Uh, she said she really enjoyed the podcast, so thank you for, for reaching out to me. It was really, really nice. Yeah, no, that's all. Oh, when, we, when we're driving, we have a, a cabin up north, so it's a nine-hour drive to the lake and back. So that's uh, oh, when we listen to podcasts on the way is, uh, is when we're driving up and down. So that's, uh, it's been good. I need to, uh, I seem to, they seem to have organically fallen into like an hour to an hour and a half. You know, I kind of never really put a time limit on them. I don't want to, I want to be yeah. able to unpack yeah. stuff. But, uh, my next one with Ty Dahman is like, it's going to be like almost two and a half hours long. And I'm, it's like, I don't know if I should break it up into two parts or not. <laughs> I don't think I will. I don't care. The longer, the better. I, you know, when you're out I training. I look forward to listening to him. That'll be a good one. Yeah, man. It was so fun because he's, uh, you know, just, we have really good rapport as well. And and I, I, I've been reaching out to him for a while. I really wanted to talk to him. And right off the bat, it's just like talking to an old friend. Like he, he was yeah, a blast yeah. to talk to. Yeah. Super fun. And lots of great experiences. And no, and you've had you've had some really good people oh, on. Thanks. It was it was great to hear from Sofiana as well. Yeah. So I listened uh, I listened to that one. That was a that was a really good one as well. And always fun listening to RJ. He's such a great guy. He's so, so eloquent. Um, hey, RJ. Yeah, he, he is. He yeah, is. I'm sure, everyone's read his stuff, but it's just his writing is incredible, and, and it's the same yeah. way. Like his his the way he speaks is. I don't know. I'm always fumbling around for vocabulary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's just like this. Yeah, linguist. It's amazing. Yeah, I like talking to him. Exactly. Yeah. So no, he's uh, he is, and I listened to the one with uh, Jenny Taffa as well, and it's just uh, it's just been uh, been good. So I'm uh, I'm honored to be to be on your podcast oh. as well. <laughs> oh, thanks for saying that. I wouldn't I wouldn't rank myself among those names, but uh, oh well, everyone has I'm, a story. I'm happy to to chat. Oh yeah, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. What else should we talk about? We should talk about something good. What's going on? What are you guys doing to keep occupied when you're uh, when uh, you're socially just, uh, isolated? <laughs> Yeah, my my wife's still riding bikes. Um, so we 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 got the indoor trainer that we ride a little bit as well, reluctantly so, but it does uh, it does work time wise, especially when the day gets long at work and you get home and whatnot. Often it's it's cold outside and what. So uh, we do a little bit of that. And the the kids got uh, my daughter, nine year old daughter, just got a got a new bike the other day. Oh, so nice. she's all gung ho and and riding around outside. So the trails are starting to dry up now. Yeah. So uh, probably this weekend we'll be we'll be hitting some dirt with the kids. So that's uh, that's good. And otherwise, yeah, we'll see how the how the summer plans go. We did. My wife was booked for the uh, or she was going to do the Golden Two Four. She does twenty four hour mountain bike races. Yeah, the ones where you go around and around in a circle for twenty four hours. So she's uh, she's into into those things. So she also likes the endurance stuff. 
but she's not all that comfortable with the idea of being way out there in the middle of nowhere mm. at 2 a.m. sleeping in a ditch like we do. So, That's the best um, part. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I keep telling you. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so she likes the endurance part of it and she likes pushing herself, but obviously the more uh, supported environment of the, of the, of the 24 hour mm. races where you're going through the, through the put every, every hour, hour and a half or so. So she enjoys that. So she had a golden two four lined up, and if they just moved that, fortunately we just got the email today. That was going to happen middle of June, so mm -hmm. two weeks prior to the epic, and they just moved it to September, uh, end of September. So that's pretty good. We we sort of suspect that it's probably going to get uh, cancelled. Oh, I lose you? Suspect that they might get cancelled, mm -hmm. but uh, but fortunately they ended up just. Uh, just moving it to September, so that was that was good news. So she'll still continue winding up for that. And then there's the one, the 24-hour race that they do at Silverstar now, right? That oh, cool. Corey Wallace is is involved in. Yeah, mm -hmm. so they did that. I think last year was the first one, and it was the same weekend as the Epic. So she really wanted to do that because that's our backyard, right? Eh? That's like an hour and a half from where we're at. So um, oh, so yeah, she was she was really bummed. She wanted to do that one. I think Dean was there. Oh yeah, uh, single speeding it. Yeah, yeah. Dean, the machine was uh, was single speeding there. Awesome. But um, so she really wanted to do that one, but that happened to be on the same day as the epic, same weekend that the epic started. So she couldn't do that last year on account of me riding the epic again. Oh. But I think this year they have it at a diff different time, um, so it wasn't gonna clash with the epic. So she was gonna do that one as well. But again, that's up in the air as well now with this but um so yeah she she rides bikes quite a bit as well and enjoy doing that and i think that's a big part of why i get to to ride as much as i do right it helps to have a partner that understands yeah so uh, yeah. for many guys that's a challenge hey eh? it's it's hard to hard for some wives to understand uh, or some partners to understand why the other one needs to go for an eight hour bike ride that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to most people hey eh? so uh but in our household, I do my eight-hour ride today, and then you can go do yours tomorrow. And, right. uh, and we sort of switch off with the kids, so that, uh, that works out pretty good. Yeah, I'm and then we do have a, we have a small uh, cabin on a lake up oh. north. So oh, nice. before moving to Kamloops, I worked in Burns Lake, which was in northern BC, so on the other side of Prince George. And uh, we got a little place on the lake there. And so now having moved down here, it's a nine-hour drive there, so it's a, it's a ways to go. But it's just so nice, and I, I can't afford anything similar to that on the lake down here anyway. No. So, um, no so, even um, so we it. go up there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so she, my the wife and kids usually go up there for uh, for a few weeks, three, four weeks over oh, the nice. summer usually, and then I join them for a couple of weeks when I when I can get the time off work. So, um, so they might with all of this happening now, the schools. We don't know when the schools are going to start back up again, and all of that. So uh, we might be. Spending more time up at the cabin. If I was to get sick and I need to self-isolate, I'm not going to be sitting around here doing it, that's for sure. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> um, it's so nice about that, too, is it's just, um, um, oh, I lost my train of thought. So you were talking about kids being off school, going up there. Oh, yeah. Well, it's it's a great education, right? I, I think that kids can learn a lot um, yeah. outside of school. You know, like yeah. just, yeah. just yeah, you know, especially sure. if you have a cabin, you know, you, there's all sorts of stuff you you learn just doing that exactly. be, being in the woods for two months in a cabin or wherever it may be. And, uh, rather than just sitting at a desk, you can still learn. And, and yeah, know. I was listening yeah. to a guy the other day that 
I can't, it was some, some podcast and he was saying at one point he gave his kids an option. He said, okay, this year, you guys, you can go to school or you can take the year off. But if you take the year off, we need to make like a plan of like, this is what we're going to accomplish. These are the goals we want to set, you know, set and accomplish. This is what we want to learn, you know, and, and make it more of a, more of a learning tool than just kind of a holiday, which I, I kind of appreciated. Yeah. 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 It's kind of an interesting idea. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great idea. And yeah, up at the cabin, the nice thing there's no um, there's no cell phone reception or anything there either. So you're yeah. really just out there in the in the middle of nowhere, and you really just get to disconnect from it all. Eh? And that's uh, no TV or anything like that. So it's just just good quality time. No, so we, no we internet, really enjoy nothing. Spending time up there. Nothing. No, yeah, that's crazy. No, I, a, I haven't have been to, in you that. Have to drive eight, have to drive or ride your bike eight kilometers. Uh, up the hill to get to cell reception so uh, so it's not that far away but it's not there which is which is great no i think that's really good actually it's sometimes i think to unplug you need to force it you know yeah it's almost like um yeah and then you realize i i realize all the time you know since starting this this project i've been really trying to balance you know my time managing this and then my time with the family and time with work and time with riding bikes and it's just like god damn, it's hard to balance it all and constantly checking in. It's like, are you, am I giving you and my wife enough attention? Are you getting enough attention? And going back yeah, to yeah. this, you know, I've got a, a great supportive partner. I, I think she, she realized just, uh, um, you know, when I'm starting to turn into a monster, then it's time to go and play in the woods and I always come back as a better person. Right. So it's such an important part of, of just life in general to be able to get away and unplug from it. So, but yeah, it is it is a, a time commitment for sure, especially yeah. these these long bikepacking races. Yeah. Um you've you've got a if you wanna finish it and especially if you wanna you wanna try and ride with the guys at the shop and the things you've you've got to put in the time, right? And that mm -hmm. sometimes does become become difficult because mm -hmm. you're juggling so much, especially us with, with smaller kids and whatnot. It's it's sometimes hard to juggle that all with with, with work and getting the time in the in the saddle that you need uh, so i've been sort of experimenting with more shorter high intensity because mm. i've done quite a bit of reading and listening at, uh, on that as well as i'm mm. sure you've done as I well have. and just in terms of trying to find those efficiencies in time eh? trying to 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 still keep the level of competitiveness although i'm aging that uh, that that i've had before uh, but still try and free up more time for other things hey eh? so lately i've been sort of over the winter i've definitely done more of these uh these shorter duration high intensity workouts as opposed to going out on my fat bike for hours and hours and hours mm -hmm. uh, like i've done in the past so uh, it 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 was going to be interesting to see how that panned out in the come come race time uh, this year and uh, and i'm sure i'll get the opportunity to see how that goes in future but uh but yeah, I've been I've been sort of experimenting with that a little bit different kinds of. We're always experimenting in this business, yeah. hey? With the with the bikepacking, there's no, it's it's new enough and it's fringe enough that there's no established way of doing it. Hey? There's not not a whole bunch of research on this. There's there's sort of relevant research to it, done in other fields, but with bikepacking specifically, and it's about so much more than just the physical uh fitness and abilities it's so much more to do with efficiency and planning and yeah. uh, and and the mental space you're in mm -hmm. and all those things just comes with experiment it's experimenting with things and experience right? so experience is huge mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. uh, in 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 these things. But but then on the other hand, you get I have guys like Sofiane who hadn't even hadn't done a whole lot of this, and he jump, just jumps in and and gets it done. Right? And and that's a perfect example because uh, you know as a bike career, all his stuff is short, high intensity stuff like all day. Yeah, right. He's riding yeah. like that all day, and uh, I, I find that having done a couple of of longer um, distance events now when i when i do the the short stuff um short track if you will like to me you know 10 or 10 or 15k doesn't really cut it anymore as a yeah, you yeah, know it's just yeah. not enough so like yeah. kind of 30 30 kilometers is kind of my threshold for for feeling good about that and what i find the difference is is, is you you um instead of like busting a climb and then stopping and you know having a drink or shooting the shit with your buddy or whatever it's i find that and which is why i don't ride with people very often is that I don't want to stop. And that, I think that's the distance thing. So you can do this short track, high intensity stuff, but just don't rest, learn to recover, yeah. learn to recover yeah. after those efforts. And, yeah, um, yeah. and, uh, it seems to work. Okay. I mean, I'm no contender, right. I'm no Sofiane, that's for sure. But, but, uh, it seems to help a lot. So, you know, do a little bit, get, get some experience with the long distance stuff, like know what it feels like to be on the bike, like all day, and what, exactly. how, how your body's going to feel and how you process your fuel, like how your body, your biology, how your biology just works, you know, and I think everyone's different. Um, some people just need to cram food constantly. And like me, I don't really have to, I just feel like I, I can't. So it's so, it's just all experience, but then you, you, you I'm, build, you build that strength. Way, right? Yeah. You, I can't eat on the yeah. bike. I just, I, I, I think I'd probably be better for it if I could. Yeah. And if I did eat more often. But I'm the same way. I can't. I can't sort of. I can eat on the bike, and I do on occasion. But uh, but I probably don't eat as much as I should. Eh? And I and I keep needing to remind myself to do it and make a conscious effort to eat more. But I find that I probably still, if I do the math, like some guys are big on the numbers, mm. eh? um, and they calculate the calories and all those things and how much power they need to consume. And whenever when I've gotten into that and looked at the numbers and gotten into those cal- calculations, I just realize that i'm not getting close to what i what i should be and i think on a on a big bikepacking ride you're always going to run at a deficit but you need to to minimize that deficit mm. as much as possible but uh, but yeah i'm not in my day-to-day uh, job that i do there's enough science and 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 calculation and and those kind of in that eh? so my my bike packing and my bike riding is is sort of a escape from that. So I tend to mm. I tend to avoid getting over analytical and yeah. getting uh, getting too scientific about my bike riding and my training. Uh, maybe because I, I'm sort of trying to to stay away from from all because that's the kind of stuff that I do every day. Eh? So uh, so when I want to be out there riding, I don't want to be doing doing calculations in my head and and thinking about the science of stuff and whatnot i i just want to be out there riding my bike eh? and that's the way i've i've been doing it and if i feel i'm going too hard i slow down if i feel good i go faster and that's sort of the the way i've always ridden but um but yeah like i said lately i've been sort of thinking about thinking about things a little bit more and for more for efficient for time efficiency's sake with everything else going on, trying to trying to to be more efficient in my training, uh, the training specifically, because I I used to just go out for 
ridiculously long rides. Right? And yeah. that's what I what I enjoy doing. I I would get home at a at six in the on a Friday afternoon, have dinner with the family, and then put the kids to bed at eight, and then get on my bike and ride out the door eight at night, and then ride through the night into yeah. the next day. And I'll be back home the next afternoon at six o'clock. I've done rides like that. Eh? So then, so I leave the house eight o'clock on a Friday evening, and I ride for twenty-two hours, and I'm back again six o'clock the next uh, six the next afternoon. Yeah. And I've ridden four hundred k's and those kind of things. So, so there's there's just not the time really to do those those kind of things anymore. Right. Eh? So in the race, it, one can afford to do that, but I'm it's getting increasingly hard with the kids growing up now and and wanting to spend time with them and do stuff with them as well over weekends it's it's not all that practical to do those kind of things anymore yeah and that's that that experience side of things because um you know when you when you sign up to for a new event like when i'm thinking about the bc epic you know i've i've set new goals compared to what i did last time and i really wanted to so my first when i first did i just wanted to get to shoot lake and when you just said oh i rode for 22 22 hours and did 400 kilometers that means you were on the bike like a lot like the entire almost the entire time right and that's something i need to learn how to do is just really stay on the bike and yeah. and again learn to eat on the bike learn to stay on the bike and um that's that's why you have to go on those long rides is to get that kind of experience i i've only the first time was it before the epic or before the i did one like 200k ride and I, I worked all day from like six to two and then i just got on my bike and i rode 200 kilometers like well 185 kilometers and i slept on the highway under a you know under a kind of a shelter and yeah and, and you, you, by doing those you learn you just learn how it feels and that's what i was going to say it's interesting too <clears throat> you, you'd think that I think a lot of people would think that as you ride with the day that, you know, you're running out of gas, you're running out of gas, you're running out of gas, you're running, right? It's not like that. It's so interesting that you can ride and you feel okay. Yeah. And then you start yeah, to get tired and, and crazy. And then suddenly it's like, whoop, you get this crazy burst of energy. So you need to basically surf that. And when you're feeling good, like you said, listen to your body and yeah, and yeah. surf that wave as long as you can. Yeah. Before, exactly. you, before you fall asleep <laughs> and then and then when you do when you do go into the into the slump again then just accept it i eh? just yeah. just just roll with it so don't don't fight it it's going to be there it's going to come yeah and it's it's okay eh? it's because uh, it's always it's it'll be followed by a high again yeah. that's the way that's the nature of it so when you're when you're feeling like crap and you're getting into your head just shut it out and just keep turning over the pedals because eh? it'll pass yeah. and uh, and until you eventually fall asleep and fall off the yeah. bike, so that sort of thing. That becomes the limiting factor that happened on the Epic last year. So uh, I don't know how Seth did the whole thing without sleeping. That was, uh, I, I, in the back of my mind, I sort of thought I'd, I'd attempt to do that, and that uh, got to Castlegar. So what's that? Uh, just over six hundred k's. How many and, hours uh, did it take to get there? Um, about I think that was that was nine o'clock on the second day. So that would be nine nine o'clock in the evening on the second day. So twenty four would have been. So that would be thirty thirty eight hours. Thirty eight. It's so a long 30, time. Thirty eight. Thirty eight hours into the race, I was as was rolling into Castlegar and and yeah, literally fell asleep on the bike and uh, fell off. Twice. Oh, you actually did <laughs> fall, right? Yeah. 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 No, I actually fell asleep and wiped out, 
riding into the ditch and then thought, okay, that'll wake me up well enough. So now I can get back on and keep going. And then literally <laughs> 10, 10 minutes later, I was laying in the ditch again. So it was just interesting. As, as long as the legs keep moving, as long as I'm pedaling, I'm fine. I'm not even thinking of falling asleep. But as soon as you start coasting down a little hill, oh, I know. Yeah. The minute, and the minute my legs stop moving, my head just stops. It's just, uh, it, it was weird. It was, by that time, I was seeing things and hearing things, yeah. and life was pretty interesting at that point. But, uh, but yeah, so I got into Castlegar at nine in the evening. It was still daylight out yeah, that sure. time of year. Yeah. So I, I was sort of conflicted because I'm so tired now and I, I can hardly stay awake. So now I head into that sketchy single track section yeah. and end up there. In the, and that's sort of scary, eh? that, that uh, section between trail and Castlegar. If you're dead tired and you're hallucinating and you're falling asleep on the bike and you head into that sketchy single track stuff yeah. in the dark in there. And it would have been dark by the time you got in there too, probably. Well, exactly. maybe not dark. So sort but, of yeah. half, halfway through it, I think we're sort of halfway, halfway between you got to the sort of steep banks along the side of the river there and yeah. whatnot. It would have been dark by then, yeah. So you probably would have, would have walked it. <laughs> being in the dark on the sketchy parts, hallucinating away falling asleep on the bike it just didn't just didn't feel like a good 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 just didn't go didn't think that was going to be a good idea so it was sort of conflicting because the sun's still out and it just feels wrong to stop when there's still daylight to be had it just so i was i was sort of toying with it and then decided no it's going to be best just to hit the sack that, uh, uh, and then I had those those three guys at that stage. They were still four coming up hot behind me. Eh? So I was uh, I was needing to ride hard to stay ahead of them. But yeah, I just just couldn't go any further. So I uh, I got a hotel uh, right there where if you head into Castlegar, the small little German place, and I just got in there and uh, hit the sack uh, for uh, I think yeah four or five hours. Uh, so I went to bed at probably nine thirty ish. And then uh, was daylight still out? And then I got up at at one thirty again. I was rolling by two, and uh, and then did that in the. So I got so into the sketchy much... single track. Yeah. I just I timed it so that I got into the sketchy single track just as the sun started uh, coming up. Nice. Because that first part uh, around the college under the bridge, yeah. That's that's also single track, but that's easy. And then you go out on the pavement again for a little bit, and then you go down through that quarry. And then there's a bit of, bit of double track before you get into the sketchy single track. Yeah. So by the time I hit the sketchy single track, it was just coming up on four o'clock and the sun was starting to rise. So that was perfectly timed. And then it was rested because I slept. Mm. So that was, it was just sweet going through there, right? Yeah. And uh, I met some of the guys coming the other way, riding uh, westbound. Uh, some of the guys were camping along the trail there that I knew, Eric Ross and... Uh, oh, okay. And... Uh, uh, who was with him? Now I can't. Eric Ross and what was the other name? I can't remember I the other. Um, Carl Miller. Uh, the two oh, of them, Carl they were, uh, they, yeah, they were parked. Uh, they were camped on the side of the trail there just as I entered the single track. So I had a good chat with them. They were just sort of crawling out of their tents there as I went by. So that was nice. Nice. And then, um, and then just kept going and then went over the, over the ferry, over the pass and then into Kimberley. Uh, got to Kimberley and then just rolling into uh, that three miles from Kimberley to to Cranbrook. Okay, eh? so that was just after midnight, around about one thirty or so. The next, the last evening, 
again on that pavement heading into Cranbrook. Yeah. I just started oh, yeah. all over the place. Because you're just started, so relaxed. started falling asleep again. Yeah. And I would stop and just stand on the bike and then fall asleep standing. And then I would wake up and see like 10 minutes had passed. So I would stand there, <laughs> sort of draped over my handlebars and fell as, fall asleep because I'm start and pulling up track leaders to see where these guys are behind me because they chased those three guys behind me, uh, uh, Phil and, uh, and Robert and... Uh, Ben, they were coming hard, eh? or I, I thought they were anyway, because they were just on my heels the whole time. So I had to, and they were faster than me. I knew it. So they were riding faster while they were riding. Yeah. But I was staying ahead of them on efficiency. So the first night they slept for a few hours and I went through the first night. So I pulled a, a, a lead on them there. And then I had to do everything I can to just be efficient enough to stay ahead of them because they were uh, they were faster on the trail than me. They actually passed me on that first night on the trail. Yeah. And then they stopped to sleep and I went by again. So I knew that while riding, they were faster than me. So if they caught me, I wasn't going to stay ahead of them. So I had to I had to be more efficient. So I got into Cranbrook, hit the Timmies there, which fortunately was a 24-hour Timmies. So I was sitting there eating and I looked on timmies, looked man. on track leaders. And they went off route in Kimberley and uh, to what I now know was a gas station, but it's right next to a hotel. So when I checked on uh, on the map, it looked like an hotel. And then they they went off route in Kimberley to this what I thought was a hotel. And then they they dots went went opaque. Okay? So I thought, okay, great. They decided, <laughs> which I was hoping they do, because I was having trouble staying awake on the bike. So I was hoping they'd stop in Kimberley. And then I can stop for a bit in Cranbrook and sleep for a bit. And then I still have my 25K lead and then just go again. So as soon as their dots faded in Kimberley, I thought, great, they're sleeping. So I uh, went across from Timmy's there. There's a little motel there. Got myself room, hit the sack. Um, it was one o'clock or so that I hit the sack. And at two, a siren went by, an ambulance or something, and woke me up. So I decided just to be, just have a reflex, <laughs> I picked up the phone, I refreshed track leaders, and their dots are just outside town. <laughs> so they, they're active, they're riding, they're just like, they're like two kilometers oh, outside of Cranbrook. So she is, I, I, I've never gotten dressed that fast. I just jumped out of bed, got everything, got everything sort of half-dressed, and piled everything on the bike and just out the door and went for it. So I literally got one hour of sleep. I slept from one to two. And fortunately, this ambulance woke me up because I was wow. planning on sleeping till 3, and uh, 3, 3.30. And uh, fortunately, this ambulance woke me up and I checked and they, they were right on me. Afterwards, they told me, no, they just stopped at the gas station in Kimberley to restock. And they just stopped there for longer than usual, yeah. long enough for their dots to go gray. So I thought, oh, okay, they're stopping. And actually, they were not. They were just restocking. Oh, so then they sneaky. then they kept coming. Yeah, and uh, so I went out of out of Can uh, Cranbrook and got out ahead of them, uh, just I guess, and then uh, hit the, went down the rail grade and then hit the single track around toward them there. And going up the single track, I could hear them and I could see their lights beneath me, eh? so they were right on me. But uh, but yeah, having just that one hour of sleep, that just gave me the, the extra gas and then just the adrenaline of the chase yeah. being on. Eh? So yeah. they were right on my heels and I was uh, I knew they were right behind me. So I just I just hoofed it and then uh, and then pulled a little bit of a gap on them again. 
And by the time I got to Kukunusa, I was I was checking again where they're at, and they were way back in Wardner. So oh. I sort of their dots had stopped beside the highway there. So I was sort of getting concerned because the one minute they were coming hard and they were they were coming on strong, and then they sort of just stopped by the side of the highway, just on the other side of the single track. So I was wondering, did one of them get injured or or uh, starting to get concerned about them? Why were they stopped there beside the highway? So I emailed them and they said, no, they just, they were just tired. They yeah. decided to, decided to get a bit of shut eye. So that took the pressure off. Right? Yeah, right. It's funny. I didn't check track and leaders. So on by my... that time, I, go ahead. Yeah. I, by that time I've pulled there, like, uh, because they stopped again, I was like 30, 40 Ks ahead of them again. So then all of a sudden the pressure's off and the adrenaline's gone and the fatigue and everything comes rushing yeah, back. Yeah. Eh? So those last 100 Ks from Kukunusa to the end was just, it was, I had nothing left in the tank. I was just empty. I was, uh, from my medical mind started going and I was diagnosing myself with heart <laughs> failure and all kinds of stuff because I, oh, no. I was feeling so crappy that there had to be something seriously wrong because I had nothing, just any little hill. I was just panting to get up it and just struggling but i was just i was just running on empty and the, the adrenaline sort of made me ride really hard up until that point because because the chase was on and, and the race was on and then when that was the pressure was gone then it just all all came apart in a way so i was starting to do the mass in my head and starting to get really concerned that they'll catch up to me again despite having stopped to have a nap like they did which fortunately didn't happen, but uh, but yeah, those the, the last hundred k's into Fernie was tough. I was gonna but say the end is fun, tough, man. man. Like that last part, yeah. like where it's just it's all baby heads and and really vague, and and the navigation was weird. I got to do that in the day, but when I was riding, and I was like, this would have sucked in the middle of the night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Seth saw. Uh, Seth Seth was convinced there was cougars. Uh, it was two baby cougars, I think he said, that was that was stalking him there. <laughs> Keep in mind, this comes from a guy that hadn't slept at all up until that point. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> oh, man. but uh, but yeah, there's all kinds of uh, he, he, something was he saw something out there anyway. Uh, but yeah, those that's an interesting little part behind behind Broad uh, Broad Mountain there, uh, on the other side of Elko. Right. That uh, yeah. it's beautiful if you're not dead tired, but yeah. um, it it adds a bit of flavor. And then you know you're kind of can't close. Can't be all that easy. It can't be all that easy at the very end. Eh? There has no. to be one final little uh, kick. I just remember. To make you remember it. Yeah, you think you're kind of well. You are pretty close. Like when you get out of the the um the gnarly stuff and you're just onto the big uh, logging roads, kind of coming. You're climbing forever. Like I was thinking, yeah. oh, we're so close. I don't know how far. Probably it's still another sixty k, right? It's felt yeah, like by the time you get past the baby heads, by the time you hit the gravel, you've got like 40 Ks left. And I just remember, um, I didn't expect to be climbing so much and I kind of know Fernie a little bit and I thought I knew where I was, but I was incorrect. So I, it kept like, it kept gnawing at my mind. Like, Oh, I thought I was here. And then someone told me, um, Ken Albertson was chasing me. So, um, yeah. Carl told me that he's like, Oh, Ken's back there and he's, he's going pretty fast. So I was like, Oh, dad, I just, remember just putting them, <laughs> just hammering, trying to get to the end. And Ken's a strong rider, right? Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. And, he and Dean yeah. were here, uh, last year for a bit and we rode up in my back 40, we rode up kind of above the high school here 
And uh, it yeah. was fun to ride with those guys. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd never really ridden with Dean, I don't think. Yeah, Ken, Ken's a great guy. He yeah. did the, he did the hill climb thing with me, the Everesting yes. and the and the uh, High Relief Society. So he he did that with me last April. How was that? How did that uh, go for kept, you? Kicked me company up and down the hill. So that was that was good. Yeah. How did that? How was that yeah. experience? It it was good. It was interesting. So I sort of did it as a as a challenge, obviously, like everybody does when there's this a cycling endurance challenge out there. That's uh, sort of in my wheelhouse, although it's more of a road bike thing for the most part. But uh, I thought, what better way to uh, to get in shape early on in the season than to go climb a lot, <laughs> and um, and then sort of turned it into a fundraiser for the local hospital as well, you know, which turned out it turned out pretty good. And that sort of it was interesting. Uh, it was more of a social event than it was than than what we used to bikepacking. As we've said multiple times, you have those brief social interactions that are so intense and so good. But it's not. It's in its essence, it's a solo endeavor, right? It's a, it's a personal solo endeavor. Um, and typically, like you said, 98, 99% of my riding, I'm out here in the middle of nowhere in the backcountry riding on my own as well. So, uh, so social rides or group rides doesn't really feature in my my repertoire. <laughs> yeah. But uh, this thing turned into, because it's one of the well-known hills up to my house here, uh, that's 155 meters of climbing. So we went up and down it 66 times. And, um, and it's, it's about an 8.5% grade on average, 8.5% 8, 8 grade. So it's not too, too, so it's 155 meters over 1.7 kilometers. So it's 1.7 kilometers up, 155 meters, and then down, up and down again. But uh, but yeah, with uh, some one of the other local cyclists, uh, he works for for a, a grocery distribution company, so he got a bit of sponsorship from them. So they had a a little thing set up at the bottom there with uh, with, with with chocolate milk and bananas and all mm -hmm. kinds of stuff. And uh, lots of people came came out to ride with me various times through the day. So Ken was riding with me the whole day, oh, wow. up and down. But various times during the day, different cyclists and the cycling community different people would come out and do a couple of laps with us here and there right so pretty much it was only in the in the wee hours of the morning between 1 a.m and 4 a.m or so that we were actually just the two of us on the hill riding but the rest of the time there was always three four sometimes up to ten other people going up and down with us sort of cheering us on and keeping us company and being one of the one of the 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 commonly traveled hills in town people are driving up and down it the whole time as well so we're on the side in a, in a separate bike lane but there's a there's a car traffic going going beside us and uh, and everybody knew about the whole fundraising thing for a hospital and me riding up and down the hill because the lake local radio station had it on and whatnot so people were honking and waving <laughs> nice. and cheering and whatnot so uh, and there was always people riding with us so it turned out to be quite the social event and that was the interesting part of it. So that was what was more appealing almost was the, was the social aspect of it and the community being involved in it and whatnot, not just the cycling community, but the community as a whole uh, was almost more rewarding than the, than the achievement of riding up and down the same hill for 21 and a half hours. But um, so I think just doing that without it, just riding up and down the hill for the same pavement hill 66 times yeah that's, that's a mental yeah, exercise for it, sure it's a bit mind-numbing and it's definitely more of a mental challenge than it's a physical challenge right but uh, 
but yeah, I quite quite enjoyed again, uh, even though I'm not a social social person by nature. That uh, that was that that's the part of it that I enjoyed, and especially Ken being there, yeah. being there the whole way. I'm very grateful for that. I think that just makes that that kind of thing again. Especially we had a horrible headwind for the first eight oh. hours, and that just just about killed us. Climbing eh? and a headwind, thing. awesome. Yeah, it was horrible. So it was on, on these on on a road bike with open exposed with a headwind straight from the front climbing the whole time. So that oh. sucked. So <laughs> so the first eight hours was tough, and then the weather forecast said it's just going to blow till seven, and then it's going to settle. So you've got this in your mind, the expectation that okay, by seven o'clock this is going to go away, and then it's just like that. Good. <laughs> exactly and it didn't it kept going by nine o'clock we were still fighting the wind and then by 10 it sort of started settling down by 10 in the evening but um so yeah that gets to you mentally as well hey eh? so but yeah once the wind lifted but yeah in the early morning hours having having ken beside me there and just being able to share that experience that that was great eh? and i think that just made it that much much more rewarding but uh, physically it, it wasn't as 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 hard as i expected it to be but i did i did prepare for it uh, quite a quite a bit as well yeah. I, I did a virtual one a, a week before that i on zwift rode up and down the big mountain that they've got in there the virtual mountain for th- 14 hours on a trainer that was a first <laughs> as well the first and the last that won't happen again did anyone join I'm you on that no, no, I was, there was, there was virtually, there was a few people that joined me at times, but yeah, I was alone in my basement here, spinning away on a spin bike for 14 hours. I'd never thought I'd be saying that, the, but, That's um, a long time but yeah, all, wow. all in preparation. Cause yeah, that was March and it wasn't the road, the bike lane outside the hill that we were going to climb wasn't cleaned of dirt yet and whatnot. So, um, so that was part of the preparation, but yeah. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. That's right. Maybe that's the, the activity <laughs> people should be doing this summer. Then, if we can't do bike packing races, we should be doing Everesting. Yeah, challenges yeah. maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's something you can anybody can do in their backyard. Eh? Yeah. You just uh, you just uh, pick a hill. Um, but yeah, it's it's all about selecting the right hill as well. Because if you take too easy in hill. Then you have to ride up it hundreds of times, and that's that sort of makes the mental challenge harder. If you choose too steep a hill that you have to do less of, then it becomes physically harder. Right? So it's about finding that, finding the right hill for you as well. Yeah, yeah. that's cool, man. Um, I'm gonna land this plane, I think. Um, so going back to our our um, epic conversation, um, yeah. how can people reach you to get more information? Um, through, uh, through the Facebook page, um, and recognizing that there's lots of people who's not, I've got an Instagram account as well. I'm not as active on it as I should be. Um, but there is a BC Epic on Instagram and then there's the Facebook page as well, BC Epic 1000 and, um, and that I keep a close eye on. And then through the website, there's a forum on the website now as well. So bcepic1000.com. And uh, I've created a forum on there as well now, so people can sign up and, and there's posts about the route. Um, not a whole lot of posts yet, or a lot of threads on there, but there's some um, some some threads that are, we've started about logistics and about the, the, the gear, if people have questions or concerns there. So that's probably the best way if you have any questions, because I like the idea of a forum, because the information is accessible to everybody. If you have, if you ask the question on the Facebook page, what I find is I answer the question, 
and then there's a few more posts that comes by and that post sort of fades into obscurity. Eh? So mm. the question that was asked a year ago, that answer is not readily accessible to anybody who looks at the page. You have to page back how many right. posts to go find the answer. If you have a forum that has different categories for logistics, for gear, for everything. So if somebody has a question regarding any one of those things, they can go look on the forum on the different threads and uh, questions. the questions they had might well have been asked before. And uh, and I've answered it already, and the information's right there, right? So on a, on a forum, there's sort of a, the information is is readily accessible and uh, and available to everybody. So that's probably the best place to answer to to ask questions about the route, about logistics, about what's going to happen, and uh, and to just get in touch in in general, right? But um, but yeah, those are those are the 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 avenues if anybody has. Any questions or anything that they'd want to to discuss with me, or just want to get in touch to go for a ride? If you're ever, if anybody's ever in Kamloops and looking for some some good riding, or uh, want to have a to hit me up for a route around town to to show off the best stuff, or or go for a ride together, I'm always game for that. Well, I'll take you up on that. We'll try to get to Kamloops. Maybe yeah, for sure. Point. I'd love that, Steve. There's some some really good sites and really good riding around town. Yeah, I've only ever ridden. Um, uh, with the big uh, radio tower on top, what's that area called? Um, uh, Greenstone. Uh, oh no, I have ridden Greenstone. That was man, that was ages ago. No, like right, right outside of town, at the top of the hill, as you're as you're kind of coming out of Kamloops, right at the top oh, of the hill. Uh, and there's that, yeah, I think that's right. And you park yeah, it. There's yeah. a parking lot, and then you can kind of climb up to the to the cell tower that's at the top there. Yeah, I've yeah, been in there yeah. by the prison, over by the prison. I think there's a prison. Yeah. There okay. No, that's kind of caught right. That's oh, okay. Cartwright Park. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty yeah. fun. I mean, yeah, that's, that's all that, I could really that, find. That's okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, but that's very mellow, eh? That's, oh, super uh, mellow. That's that. Exactly. That's not. It, it's nice for a nice spin, but there's there's way better trails oh, for sure in town. And over the past few years, they've really developed. So there's some uh, just across the road from that hill. Yeah. On the opposite side, uh, south of that, there's another big hill. And that's Pine View. Uh, so that's, okay. uh, and they've got a really well developed, huge mountain bike specific uh, single okay. track in there now, something like 70Ks of it or something. So that's, there's tons in there. And then there's Greenstone. They've sort of revived that. There's uh, Harper Mountains, excellent riding for single track. So there's some really great mountain biking in town now. So no, I'll, I'll happily go show you all of that oh, as for well. Sure. Yeah. I, I knew that the riding there was mellow because I was on my single speed and I think it was, yeah. I think I was running yeah. 3318 and I was climbing up a black diamond. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, this is pretty yeah, mellow. No, that, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a city park. I think it's actually one of the largest city park parks within a city yeah. uh, in Canada or something. I think it has the, has the reputation of that, but it's a, it's a city park and that, and the trails are in there are all more hiking trails. Right. But we we ride it as well. But yeah, that's definitely more for the more mellow trails. But yes. we've we've got yeah. some some proper blue and black trails. <laughs> and yeah, you know, everyone yeah. that's that's going to continue to ride through this, ride carefully. I know Imba put out a, a kind of a statement last couple of days on yeah. social, just yeah. telling people it's like you know you can still go out and do your thing, but just yeah. keep your rubber down like just because you know and if you just, have to go to the just, hospital you're gonna ha you're gonna end up either getting sick and you're exactly. also going to be um affecting um the healthcare workers workload in a negative exactly. way and just yeah. and just when you're out riding just be 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 smart about it eh? and be be socially responsible so even yeah. if you don't care much about 
getting the virus or whatnot. It's about the optics of it as well. And it's about how it looks for the rest of us and yeah. how, because how, uh, if you're out there, whether you like it or not, you're a mountain biker and you're being seen as one. And, uh, and what you do is, 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 uh, is, is we're all labeled as, as such and it reflects upon all of us. Um, so just be, be respectful and be smart about it and keep your distance and don't have a tailgate party. And uh, and just just be respectful of what's what's being done and what people are trying to achieve and what we're trying to do right? yeah. to keep everybody safe and keep everybody healthy. So yeah. we can still we can still do what we what we want to do within within those rules. Right? Yeah, just be good to one another and help each other and uh, just be good neighbors, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Le- Leonard, it was a pleasure to talk to you again. And, uh, Same year, Steve. you know, as soon if something changes, we'll get together and we'll talk again. Okay. Or regardless, yeah, we'll talk, sounds, we'll talk again for sure. Sounds good. No, I always uh, enjoy having a chat and uh, enjoy sharing ideas with a, with a bikepacking community. It's a community that I'm, I'm very uh, passionate about and close to. So, um, so yeah, I, I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks a lot, Steve. Oh, it's my pleasure, man. All right. Well, have a good and night. Keep up the, my, my back 40. I love it. So you've got a, You've got a listener for life in me. That's oh, for sure. So I thanks, uh, keep it up. I think you're doing an awesome job. I appreciate it. Thanks. There we go. Have a good night. Same to you. Thanks. I want to thank Leonard again for his time and thank all of you for tuning in today. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. What did you do? Did you go for a ride and listen to it? What do you guys usually do when you listen to the My Back 40 podcast? Are you riding your bike? Are you on your trainer? Are you going for a walk? Are you just sitting at your desk at work listening? Let me know. Let me know what you do. Myback40podcast at gmail.com. You can send me a note about it. Send me feedback or guest suggestions. Or maybe just uh, send me a voice intro. Send me, send me, I'd like to hear your voice. Send me your voice. Let me know what you're up to when you're listening to the Myback40 podcast. And like I say, I hope you enjoy it. If you want to support me, you can do so uh, by giving me a five-star rating and a review uh, what, on whatever platform you're listening on. Stitcher, Google Play, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or maybe you're just streaming it off the website. Regardless of the platform you're listening on, I appreciate you listening and I appreciate your support. I want to thank Rebound Cycle and Cycling 101 for their support. By supporting me, you're supporting the My Back 40 podcast and I really appreciate it. Hey, you know what? I've been working on something, putting this at the end of the podcast. I'm not sure if people actually listen to the end, but uh, I'm kind of looking at getting some merchandise, some shirts, some hats, um, maybe some hoodies. We'll see. I've started the ball rolling on that. And, um, I really hope I can interest some of you in wearing some of my, my back 40 podcast paraphernalia. Um, yeah, I'm just going to put it out there, see what people think, see if uh, people dig it and uh, take it from there. I'm really excited about it. Well, I guess that's all I've got for you today. Um, I want you to have a great week. I want you to, uh, try to be kind, help others, uh, be patient, Um, Be safe, be responsible, and as always, keep the rubber side down.